What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello and welcome back to F1 Every Week. I am your host, Ben Wevel, and today I'm going to be doing a summer break driver ranking. After the drama that's ensued following the Oscar Piastri situation, things have calmed down somewhat, with very little by way of confirmed uh, monumental fresh news coming out of that story in particular. You can count, though, on a barrage of questions coming the way of all of the parties involved when F1 reconvenes in Spa next week. And, as there is still a bit of a wait until then, I felt that now was the perfect time to assess how the drivers have performed so far this season. This is all my personal, statistics-justified opinion, so feel free to comment your driver ranking down below if you're watching on YouTube, or you could DM me on Instagram at f1everyweek underscore. Also, last Uh, episode was number 69 but as it was an interview with the lovely chris of cf racing i felt it inappropriate to comment so this is a belated nice you can find that interview linked down below now without further ado let's get into episode 70 first of all is p20 and i'm putting nicholas latifi here sadly I don't think that there is any use in denying the fact that, were it not for the memes, Nicholas would be chased out of the sport by die-hard Hamilton fans, pitchforks in hand. He's just not suitable for Formula 1 in any way, and he may have achieved that magical Q3 appearance in Great Britain, but it was a wet track which significantly disadvantaged others, and that is just the start of the issues for Nicholas. He has been beaten in qualifying 11 out of 13 times by Alex Albon this season, and Latifi has only finished ahead of his tied teammate once. And then there are the massive shunts in both qualifying and the race in Saudi Arabia. And that huge misunderstanding during quali in Australia between himself and Lance Stroll, as well as his crash under the safety car in Monaco, and his most egregious offence, hitting a groundhog in FP3 in Canada. These crashes have cost Williams millions, and in a cost cap era, this is the opposite of what a team looking to climb up the grid needs. I will be sad to see him go if he does leave at the end of the year, which is looking ever more likely, but it is a necessary change if Williams wants to survive in the sport. Next, it's P19, and I know that a lot of people will be unhappy about this one, but I'm putting Daniel Ricciardo down here. These last few seasons have been a complete reversal of fortune for Daniel, but as I've said before, Daniel showed some promise last year, and we forgave him for underperforming. But this year has been nothing more than a train wreck. 
He has scored points only four times this season to Lando's ten and is five places behind Norris in the driver's standings. And let's not forget that he has been prone to making mistakes as well, taking out Carlos Sainz at Imola and completely totaling his McLaren in FP2 at Monaco. But he has had some bad luck as well, retiring from a good position with an engine failure in Saudi Arabia, and he also took a great P6 in front of his home crowd. But on the whole, in that McLaren car, it's been a very poor season once more, and there is a clear reason why Oscar Piastri should be coming in next year. Now on to 18th, and it is the other Canadian on the grid, Lance Stroll. Lance has had a very tough year so far, with qualifying proving especially difficult for Lance, who has only made Q2 four times so far this season, less than double his tally from this time last year. And despite having finished in the points four times over the course of the season, this has only ever been at the very tail end, in 10th, which pales in comparison to his teammate Seb Vettel, who has four times as many points as Lance. Four times! But the reason why I've placed him ahead of Daniel Ricciardo is that he has been somewhat consistent uh, this season in the races. Because if you look outside of the points, he has been in the top 13 on 10 occasions this season. As we know, the last few points positions are always pretty random, so the fact that he is often in the fight for the points is a bonus. Lance also hasn't DNF'd once this season, which shows his experience in the sport, he's not making as many mistakes, but... He has, overall, not impressed. 17th next, and it's Pierre Gasly. Like Daniel Ricciardo, Gasly has heavily fallen off this season after two absolutely class bouts in the Alpha Tauri in 2020 and 2021. He has only been in the points, though, three times this season and has not scored for five races straight. Furthermore, Qualifying, which was once his greatest strength, has proved a challenge. With only four Q3 appearances this year, compared to ten by this time last season. Gasly also ruined Lando's race in Miami, which is a testament to how sloppy his wheel work has become so far this season. There is certainly an argument to be made that the car has worsened, but a driver of Gasly's calibre should still comfortably be beating his teammate Yuki Tsunoda. But the Japanese driver is only five points behind Gasly in the standings. Speaking of Yuki, he is 16th for me. Yuki has had a very positive start to the season, with three points finishes in the opening six races, but since then he hasn't scored once. Partly thanks to that horrendous mistake on the pit exit in Canada, which cost him and the team some points. But the reason why Yuki edged his teammate in my personal ranking is that he has really closed the gap to Pierre, and is a regular now in Q2, something that was definitely not the case last year. Yuki is slowly improving, and may one day be able to graduate to Red Bull, but he still has a very, very long journey ahead. 
In 15th place is Alfa Romeo's Zhou Guanyu. Expectations were relatively low for Zhou coming into this, his rookie season, and he has performed to the level that I would roughly have expected of him against a proven race winner uh, in Valtteri Bottas. Zhou has been mostly dominated by Valtteri, with only 5 points to the Finns 46 so far, and his qualifying performances have paled in comparison to Bottas's as well. But those two points finishes in a midfield team is decent for a rookie, and reliability issues have blocked him from gaining more. Also, Joe has ne- kept his nose pretty clean last year, with no notable rookie mistakes, something that Yuki Tsunoda, uh, Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher all showed last year, such as Mick Schumacher's crash in France in qualifying, Yuki's crash in Italy, and of course Mazepin's entire season. Um, and apart from that immense crash at the British Grand Prix which was certainly not his fault he has kept his car pretty much intact this has been a decent first year so far but Joe definitely needs more points finishes to couple with his impressive displays on Sunday now on to P14 and I've put Mick Schumacher here Mick has had a mistake ridden 2022 so far with a multitude of dramatic and dangerous crashes, um, which most have remembered quite clearly in their minds. The Saudi Arabia and Monaco obliterations of the VF22, cooling the relationship between Mick and team principal Gunther Steiner, to the point that Schumacher may no longer be offered that contract extension that was expected. Schumacher has also thrown away a number of great scoring opportunities, such as in Miami when he dive-bombed Seb, but there have been some positives as well, as Mick's season has not been entirely overshadowed by his teammate, with those memorable points finishes in Britain and Austria, and his unlucky retirements from a very secure position in Canada. Mick now needs to iron out his rookie-like mistakes and improve on his qualifying performance as well, but so far he's done a decent job. And in 13th, it's another very, very controversial one, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to go with Carlos Sainz. There have been a number of positives for Carlos this season, with his first victory in Formula 1, and his first pole in Great Britain, and uh, alongside five more podiums this year. He has also faced bad luck at both Austria and Baku with engine failures. However, as a driver in a top team, he should be expected to nab podiums left and right. And there have been some glaring errors as well, which were not just present for the, which were not present for the driver next up on the list. He ended up in the gravel on consecutive races, let's not forget, at the start of the season um, in uh, Imola and Australia, as well as spinning in Spain, and can thank both his maiden victory in Britain and his second place finish in Monaco on poor strategy decisions from the Ferrari team, which disadvantaged Charles Leclerc, who was in the lead of both races at certain points. 
After beating Charles last year, I expected him to be more competitive without having to rely on his team ruining his own teammates' race for him. Next up is 12th place, and it goes to Kevin Magnussen. Kevin has had a positive year so far as well, after a year's break from the sport, let's not forget. And that fifth place in the season opener was just incredible to watch. K-Mag may only have scored five times this season, but luck has rarely been on his side. Being given the black and orange flag in uh, Canada and also uh, in Great Britain, I believe, due to damage on his uh, front wing from a points-paying position uh, in France as well. Also, he has faced retirement due to engine failures in both Monaco and Baku, which were yet more opportunities to climb up the standings. It's been a very impressive return to the sport for K-Mag, as he's still in 11th in the Drivers' Championship, but as I talked about with Joe, the proof is in the pudding, and we need more points finishes. Now on to P11, and I've put Alex Albon here. Alex has been driving the wheels off the Williams so far this season, finishing in the top 13 on eight occasions, two of which being his points finishes in Australia and Miami. He has also been averse to mistakes, with no major crashes to note of, other than that pile-up in Britain, which was, again, not his fault. There's not much else to say about Alex so far this season. He's dominated Latifi as suspected and should frankly be in a far more competitive car. Now he needs to just keep driving and may once again end up in an elusive points-paying position. On to the top half of the grid now and the first into Q3 is Esteban Ocon. In terms of the championship, this has been an incredible year for Esteban who has 58 points to his name so far this season and finds himself 8th in the WDC, which would be his joint best finish in his Formula 1 career if this is where he ends up at season end. He's only finished outside of the points three times this season, one of which being a retirement in Britain due to an engine failure. He is also 17 points ahead of his teammate and two-time world champion Fernando Alonso which all sounds excellent on paper, but qualifying is where Esteban really needs to work. Despite six trips to Q3, and only one occasion where Esteban could not reach out of the bottom five, Fernando has had those flashes of excellence, especially in quality, which I'll talk about later, which just haven't been present in Ocon's drives. And the Frenchman has made his way so far through consistency. In Formula 1, consistency is key, but if Esteban can repeat that magic from Hungary last year, then I'll definitely be putting him higher on my list at the end of the season. Now for P9, and I've put Seb Vettel here. The Aston Martin driver has had quite the comeback this season so far. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He started the year with an unfortunately timed bout of COVID, 
followed by a nightmarish Australian Grand Prix, in which he had an engine failure in FP1, was fined for riding about on a motorcycle, crashed in FP3, and retired from the race, clunking into the barrier at Turn 4. But since then, Seb has faced off against the best of the midfield in the ninth best car, taking five point finishes, including a best of sixths at Baku, and is currently tied at 12 with Pierre Gasly in the Drivers' Championship. And he's had uh, his fair share of bad luck as well, with his only two finishes outside of the top 12 coming out about because of a spin caused by championship rival Gasly in Austria, as well as a coming together between himself at Mick in Miami, which ended up with neither taking points, as we know, despite both being in a position to do so. Seb has impressed considerably this year, especially when compared to his teammate, and could be able to take another top six finish this season, but he needs to improve his qualifying form as well. He is often so close, yet so far from Q2 in the Aston Martin, a reason why Seb hasn't been higher up in the field, and the reason why he is pipped to P8 by Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri has also been flying this season, with seven points finishes to his name, never having dipped out of the top ten in the WDC, and never having qualified lower than 15th. Valtteri has dominated his teammate, as I said before, we all expected that, and has always been in the midfield fight as well. He's also had bad luck at multiple occasions, with two retirements in the past four races, both caused by car issues. And another back in round two. Valtteri is uh, also almost single-handedly keeping Alfa Romeo in sixth in the WCC and can be thanked for over 90% of Sauber's points this year. On his current form, Valtteri could well make it onto the podium by the end of the season. Now it's seventh and I've placed Lando Norris here. Lando has been clear of Daniel so far this season, and the difference is especially stark when you look at the head-to-head. Lando has finished ahead of his teammate 9 out of 13 times, and has outqualified him on 11 occasions, leaving the uh, team leader with, I kid you not, exactly 4 times the amount of points as Danny Rick. But the reason why Lando is 7th in my ranking is not because Daniel has been driving abhorrently, but because Lando has been driving professionally. After the farce for McLaren that was the opener in Bahrain, Lando came back with a bang. And after his first top 5 finish of the season in round 3, he managed to nab a podium at Imola. From 15th to 3rd in 3 races... Since then, Lando has scored points a further seven times, and only missed out in Miami as he was taken out by Pierre Gasly. Apart from a poor Canadian Grand Prix in which the McLaren suffered in the wet qualifying, this season has been spotless for Lando. P6 is next, and it's hammer time. What a last six races it's been. Lewis has been driving out of his skin recently, with a P4 in Baku despite breaking his back in the process nearly, 
Three third place finishes on the bounce, one of which being the British Grand Prix, which was highlighted by the now iconic Through Goes Hamilton. And these last two races, back-to-back P2s. Despite all of the difficulties Lewis had at the start of the season, with that P16 in Saudi qualifying and the nightmare at Imola, Lewis has really risen to the occasion and may soon join his teammate in in surpassing Carlos Sainz in the Drivers' Championship, if his form continues to rise. Three third places, two second places, surely it's time for one victory. Now for fifth place and... I'm afraid it's Charles Leclerc. Charles' title challenge has been dismantled through poor Ferrari strategy, alongside numerous mechanical failures, which have stripped the Monegasque of at least four victories, and yet more podiums. Thanks to the multitude of errors, which I've ranted about many a time this season, Charles now has fewer podiums than Lewis Hamilton and has only been able to convert two of his seven pole positions into victory. However, the reason why Charles, in my completely non-biased opinion, is down in fifth, is because he has made mistakes in key moments, losing out on yet another victory in France due to spinning out, and throwing away a guaranteed second place at Imola because of a spin. This shows a lack of composure from the young driver, a factor that benefits Max Verstappen in my ranking this year, something that I will go on to talk about later. Furthermore, despite being in the best car on the grid, Charles was unable to carve through the field after taking a grid penalty in Canada, which, uh, with the same tenacity as drivers such as Lewis Hamilton with his comeback in Brazil last year, Charles, having struggled to make his way through the field, and it only being thanks to a fortuitous safety car that he managed to reach the top five in that race. Yes, Charles has driven brilliantly for the majority of the season, and yes, he has been very unlucky, but some of the disappointment of this season's failure for Ferrari has to land on his shoulders as a title challenger. P4 is next, and it's Sergio Perez. While the likes of Daniel Ricciardo and Carlos Sainz have struggled this year in their second season, Checo has thrived at Red Bull. He has finished in the top five in every race that he's finished this year, including six podiums. He has also been Max Verstappen's rock all year long, with displays of generosity in both Spain and Baku, despite Verstappen, uh, despite sorry, itching to race with his teammate. Sergio is still third in the championship as well, and could certainly pass Charles Leclerc, who's only five points up the road, by the end of the season. Not only have Sergio's race results improved, though, which have meant that he has at one point been in the championship fight, despite being the second Red Bull driver, and also that Red Bull are uh, more likely to be comfortable in uh, first place in the WCC come season's end, but Sergio has also improved slightly in qualifying, with his first pole position in the sport coming in Saudi Arabia. However, 
It has not been all smiles, as Checo has failed to reach Q2 twice in the last five races, in Canada and Hungary. So it's clear that there are still improvements to be made. Furthermore, he has retired three times so far this season, which seems poor on paper until one appreciates that they were all mechanical issues and none of the three were his fault. On the whole, this has been a fantastic sophomore year for Checo, and he could challenge for the title next year if his form continues to improve. Okay, we've got to the top three, and the first man on the podium is Fernando Alonso in third place. Fernando has been the underground star of the season, and that's something that not all of the stats can tell you. I mean, he's been beaten out by his teammate in the race eight times, is 17 points behind him in the championship, is two places down on him in the WDC as a result uh, of the fact that he's retired twice. Well, what these at-a-glance stats don't really portray is the quality of Fernando's racing so far this year. Not only is Fernando currently on an eight-race point-scoring streak, but some of his qualifying performances this year have been simply sublime. He could easily have been on pole in an Alpine in Australia, had it not been for a throttle issue, and took P2 in the wet in Canada. He was taken out by Mick Schumacher in the opening lap at Imola, and retired from the points with an engine failure in Saudi. It's quite difficult to quantify what has made this season for Fernando so good. But I think that's because we're seeing the sparks of the Alonso of old. In the fourth and fifth best car on the grid. Very few drivers in the 21st century will be able to repeat such a feat. But Fernando is doing so in flying colours. Only the dominance of the Red Bulls is keeping him out of reach of the podium places. And speaking of Red Bull's domination this year, I've placed Max Verstappen in second in my driver's ranking. What a year it's been for Max Verstappen once more. With most of the people in my rankings so far, I've been praising them, for example, um, having only three races outside of the points. To put how well Max has been performing into perspective, he's only been off the podium three times. Ten podiums, including eight race wins, with nine races left in the season. What a performance. One such race victory was in Hungary, the most recent round of the season, and one which epitomises the quality of Max this year. He started the race in tenth on the grid, down on the front due to a power uh, issue in quali. Despite this handicap, Max fought through the field, making some exquisite overtakes on the Alpine cars, and was able to take the lead, thanks to a blunder uh, in strategy by Ferrari, as we all know. However, Max spun out at turn 13, but he had the composure to continue and repass Charles Leclerc for the race victory. This feast was also um, repeated earlier in the season from spin to win, as the Dutchman spun out in Spain at turn four, but continued once again to take the race victory. Max has also held mental fortitude when 
uh, in the lead with pressure from behind. The perfect example being in Canada, where Max was forced to drive inch perfectly in the last 10 laps so as to protect his victory from Carlos Sainz. The three races in which he did not finish on the podium were the two retirements in the first three races at the start of the season, both mechanical and Great Britain, uh, where he suffered damage to his Red Bull's bodywork, yet still managed to overtake two cars in the final three laps in order to snag a P7. Despite Leclerc's bad luck, it will take nothing away from how strong this year has been for Max, and his inevitable second World Championship victory will be well-deserved. And finally, for my top driver of the first 13 rounds of the 2022 Formula 1 World Championship is Mr. Consistency himself, George Russell. 13 races, 12 top fives, 5 podiums, 1 pole position, 158 points, 4th in the championship. In my opinion, George Russell has single-handedly given Mercedes the morale boost that it needed at the start of the season, which propelled the team onto their current form, often driving through pain to podium finishes, such as in Baku. There's not much more to say which hasn't been said already about how brilliant George Russell has been performing this season. He's come in to a new team, Mercedes. The expectations have been brutally high, and he's been and he's driven to complete perfection, surpassing all of the expectations that that he's had from day one. Lewis may now have more podiums than George Russell, but George most certainly revived the Mercedes season, and I know many many F1 fans who are very grateful for that indeed. Thank you for listening to F1 Every Week. As I said at the start, feel free to drop your uh, rankings for the first 13 rounds of the season down below if you're watching on YouTube. And tune in next week for the first race review in nearly a month, that of the Belgian Grand Prix. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.